The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a story from writer, performer, actor, comedian, and nationally recognized playwright, Marga Gomez. How's your week going? I am recovering from a two-show night for our big 15th anniversary evening. I haven't been around that many people in a very long time. And I got an email the next day from Midori, who was one of the performers, to say thank you for producing something that felt so safe and so fun. And she wants to know when the next one is. And we are booking shows again for now. I'm not sure what's going to happen with COVID. None of us are. But I've already booked a show for March. I'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But yeah. It was incredible. And I did something I never do. Instead of collapsing into a pile and then getting up and turning around and starting to work on the next show, I was social. I got together with Milena Williams-Haas and her husband, Georg. And then yesterday, I got to hang out with Patreon superfans, Red Bear and Scott, people who flew in from all over the country to be at our 15th anniversary. You know, life is just too short. It was so nice to get to hug people in person, to get to hang out with them. Red Bear and Scott and I had this wonderful dim sum picnic at my favorite outdoor sanctuary for dogs. Fort Funston is kind of called doggy heaven here in the Bay Area, and I knew that they were giant dog fans who had flown in special and were such fans of Quake. So I brought Quake out to meet him, and we just sat and caught up, and the dog was happy, and he romped, and occasionally we'd give him a piece of pork or dim sum, and yeah, I mean, I already feel behind, but it was so exactly what I needed, you know, social time with people. After two years with barely seeing anybody, I just feel like Things are looking a little bit better. I feel a little bit safer leaving my house. I've already scheduled my next COVID test, and I'm just going to keep this routine going. Getting checked out as well as I can, wearing a mask every time I'm around people, and producing shows. I hope you can come to our next one. It feels so good when people tell you that they flew in to see Body live for the first time because that was something that kept them going through the pandemic. And we're doing it for now. So come join us at a show. The next one's going to be at the end of this month. 
And that gives you enough time to buy a plane ticket, right? If you're in the Bay Area, please join us. And even if you don't feel like getting on an airplane, we are live streaming the show. It's been a bit of work to figure out how to go from live streams on Zoom to live streams of live shows in a venue. We're still learning. We're still working out the kinks. But it means that we can all kind of be a body. In fact, I'm, I have a plan for our live stream that I'm excited about, but I have to figure out how to make it work before I tell you about it. So I hope to talk about it very soon once I've made the plan work. Thank you for all the great compliments and well wishes and the standing ovations. Every single performer got a standing ovation on Saturday night. Every single one. It was incredible. And when I told a story at Best of Body, because I won Best of Body this year, I got a standing ovation when I came out and I got one when I was done and I missed it. Thank you. If you were watching on the live stream or if you were there in person, or if you want to see the live stream replay when it comes up on Patreon sometime soon, then thank you for your comments. And I'd love to know what you think can make body better. You know my email address, Dixie at BodyStorytelling.com. I want to make this something that is beyond just San Francisco based. I want to make body global. I want people who stay up and set their alarm clocks so that they can watch this show at 4 a.m. wherever they are. I want it to be what you want to. So feedback is highly encouraged. And thanks in advance for telling me what you think. That body of yours? You only have the one. So you need to take great care of it. Put good things inside it. Make pleasure more pleasurable if you can. And when it comes to the lubrication you use, I recommend UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-safe ingredients. UberLube makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction, not sensation. Thousands of doctors recommend it for its simple ingredient list, making it widely used by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. Many people say, I never knew lube could be this good. Users report loving it on their body and not feeling like they need to wash it off afterward. And it's great for all kinds of play, vaginal, oral, or anal. It's been rough. So we all need more pleasure and self-care right now, don't we? Because UberLube loves body storytelling as much as I love their product, they're offering body storytelling listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use the code D-I-X-I-E at uberlube.com. Sex in any form is important to your happiness. And if you want to make it even better, make sure your lube is made from the highest quality, most body safe ingredients. Remember, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code Dixie at uberlube.com. When it comes to lubrication, nothing beats it. Uberlube, it lets you feel what you want to feel. Ready to celebrate sexuality without shame? I invite you to check out Field. It's a fun, easy way to explore. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. As the largest dating community of progressive humans across the globe, Field connects the curious and the open-minded. 
Field has built a community for awesome, ethical, and honest people and aims to create a world where everyone can explore their desires without judgment and to design their own ideal relationships. Since the pandemic, Field members have expressed a dramatically increased desire to connect on an emotional and cultural level rather than a purely sexual one. You can share freely about your sexuality no matter how traditional or kinky you may be. Nonconformity and shame-free individuality is what Field is all about. Field was originally designed for people seeking threesomes, and it's the biggest dating app for threesomes today. Plus, Field has features like paired profiles, where you and your partner can link your profiles together to show the Field community that you're a couple. And you can download the Field app for free and support the Body Storytelling Podcast by going to field.co slash body. That's F-E-E-L-D dot C-O slash body. So if you're ready to make your wildest dreams come true, give it a try. Just click the link in our episode description to get the Field app for free today. Well, I bet you're ready for a story. So let me tell you about this week's storyteller. Marga Gomez is the creator of the channel Latina Stream Queens on YouTube. She is also a nationally recognized playwright, actor, and comedian born in New York's Harlem, raised in Washington Heights, and based in San Francisco. Her parents were entertainers in the Latino community, and Robin Williams once called her amazing, a lesbian Lenny Bruce. She is the winner of a GLAAD Media Award and one of the first openly LGBT comedians in the U.S. Her television credits include HBO, Logo, PBS, and Netflix's Sense8. She is also the writer and performer of 13 solo plays, which have been produced off-Broadway and internationally. Her acting credits include The Vagina Monologues with Rita Moreno and Vicki Lawrence. During the pandemic, she pivoted to live streaming comedy and adapting her solo theater virtually and became featured in many online theater festivals. She is a national treasure, and now that you know about her, I want you to follow her everywhere. This storyteller is Marga Gomez. It's so hard to follow Bango. But I'm honored to be here uh, with such amazing and brave and really cool and fierce and sexy storytellers and musicians and the one and only Dixie de la Tour. Give it up for Dixie. So uh, Dixie <laughs> asked me to tell this story, and um, it's um, definitely the story is different from any stuff I usually do on stage, and um, I've only told this story once before, and tonight will be the last time I ever tell this story. Uh, as a lifelong lesbian, I've blown off many men. Five years ago, I actually blew a man. Now, 
you know, I know in league with all the stories you've heard tonight, I just want you to understand that's not a trend. It's a fluke. If there's any children in the audience tonight, that's not how lesbianism works. Only in the planet Bizarro do lesbians blow men. And I'm not just any lesbian, am I, Dixie? No. No. I am a leader. I am an expert lesbian lovemaker with decades of experience pleasing, intelligent, beautiful, and demanding women. In my life, blowing a man was the furthest thing from my mind, but not my subconscious mind which has its own agenda. You know what I'm talking about. You've all had that recurring blowjob dream <laughs> that features Mr. Six Flags. Great America, Mr. Six Flags. Please, don't, don't leave me now. You know you've had it. You've all blown Mr. Six Flags from the TV commercial. They're lying. They're lying to me. I have been sleeping next to the most fulfilling, exciting, romantic partner. And then in my dreams, that music will start. <laughs> and I see him. I see that old man and I'm thinking, I got to blow him. In my dreams, I blow Mr. Six Flags, and not just him. There's many old white men that I blow in my dreams. And every, oh, now don't be sad. Stop that. And every time, every dream is always semi-lucid. And as I'm blowing these old white men, I'm thinking, ah, so that's a blowjob. And I am doing one right now. And before the blowjob gets major, before it reaches its climax, the penis that I'm working on will always dissolve, liquefy, and eventually evaporate. It's like, what? And I wake up. I know what I did in that dream, but I don't let it worry me. Because I tell myself, I know I'm a lesbian. It's just a dream. And the whole world knows I'm a lesbian because you see, it does. You Google lesbian, I'm there. Because I'm lesbian famous, I'm a celesbian. And I've traveled all over the country and all over the world spreading my lesbian message. And, <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you this, 
sisters and brothers, um, there was a time, you know, like back in the day, you know, back when I wasn't single, uh, when I was so popular that I got groupies. I got women throwing themselves at me. Women, all kinds of women, some of them were straight, but they were going to be lesbian for me. They offered themselves sexually to me, and I passed them all up because I always had a girlfriend at the time because I'm a serial monogamist. And when I'm in a monogamous relationship, I'm miserable. <laughs> but I'm faithful. I'm faithful to every one of them. I was faithful to every one of my girlfriends until the last one in that relationship was over five years ago. I loved her so much. That last girlfriend moved me. I loved her more than I ever. I'm going to get to the blowjob. I'm going to get to the blowjob. I, I know why you're here. I'm going to get to that. But I want to talk about my last girlfriend for a moment, who I loved so much. I, I, I want to tell you about her, and, and, and she has a name. But I want to respect her privacy, so let me give her a name. I'm going to call her Hortense. Sometimes she was a tense whore, but Hortense. Let me make her Hortensia, a little ethnic. Hortensia. Hortensia. I'll make her a Spaniard. Hortensia. And we were together for almost seven years, my friends. Almost seven years. And she was the last one. And I... I resisted in the beginning. I resisted a relationship with Hortensia because I knew it wouldn't work. Because I was smart, I'm wise, I, I had some sort of awareness. I understood that it wouldn't work because there was a large age difference between me and my girlfriend. There was a 20-year gap. And that's not even all the years between us. But there was 20 years for sure. she would convince me that it was going to work. As much as I put up walls, she would break down the walls with her promises. She'd say, oh no, but age is just a number. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I, our love will be forever and we're going to defy all the odds. And I believed her because she believed what she was saying. Because she, she believed what she was saying because she was young. And young people believe their bullshit. Young people believe everything they're saying. They believe it. And old people are stupid. Old people are stupid. And we believe young people because we're also horny. We're stupid and horny. And I believed her. And I believed that this relationship was going to last. And I believed it for years and years and years, almost seven years. And the last few years, the sex dropped off. And I pointed it out to her. I said, yeah, we're not really having sex. But she made me believe that we were. <laughs> and then Hortensia went away to grad school. Because young people, they will go to grad school. 
She went 3,000 miles away to Philadelphia. I'm in San Francisco. She was going to leave me, but she made me believe that it was not a problem. She said that our love would defy geography and would defy age, and it was forever. And that felt good to me. I believed her. And so for her birthday, just before she left, I bought her two coats from Uniqlo, really nice Uniqlo down the change with whatever temperature you're at so you can wear it at the beach. Those good Uniqlo coats. And I said to her, Hortensia, these coats will keep you warm like I would. Think of me. And she went away, and I missed her so bad. I wrote to her all the time. And it was pretty obvious to me that she cared less about me than I cared about her. I mean, I would write her these beautiful, beautiful, flowing Cyrano de Bergerac emails, and then she would write me back short email, short email, and she'd say, I love you so much, you're so amazing. Every email was like that. I think she cut and pasted those emails to me. <laughs> and then I got this gig to play Boston, which as you know, is pretty close to Philadelphia. Not sensibly close, but close enough for me. And so I called her, I said, whore! <laughs> I got a gig in Boston, and that means I can come visit you in January. So we've only been away from each other for two months. I'll visit you in January. I just get a little Amtrak ticket and I go visit you. Should I, should I, should I? And she said, yeah. But I heard, yes! <laughs> so it's January. And I go see her in Philadelphia, and honestly, it was like nothing had changed. There was so much love between us. I mean, it was like it was real. It was like it was like the first day we met. It was like the first day we fucked. And she showed me her place, and then um, she introduced me to her friends. I didn't care about them, and then. We went out to dinner and we laughed and we laughed. And that was, besides missing sex with her, I also missed uh, laughing with her. And I don't know which I missed more. And then we went back to her place and we fucked and we fucked and we fucked and we fucked longer than we'd ever fucked in the time that we'd known each other, almost seven years. Fucked and fucked and fucked and I, you know, I made her come because I know how she likes it. She likes it gentle at first. So I licked her clit like it was a snowflake in the sun. She liked that. And I got her going. And we just fucked. And then, and then she came and she came. And then I came. I came. I came, Dixie. I came so hard that it didn't stop. My coming didn't stop. I came. I said goodbye to her. I was off to my gig. I was on Amtrak. I was still coming. I was still coming. I get to Boston, still coming, because it wasn't illegal then. I get to Boston, I'm coming. I go, and I do my show for a sold-out house in Boston, and I'm coming, and I'm telling jokes, and the audience knows. The audience knows I got something special, and they're laughing, and they're coming, and I get a standing ovation at the end, and bam, then I, I leave the stage. I'm feeling great, and there's the manager of the club, and he's there in the wings, and in one hand, he's got a maker's mark. He knew my drink, and in the other hand, he had a wad of money. Really, what else do we need sometime? Maker's mark and a wad of money, and, and then he said to me, because he talked like Animal from Sesame Street, and... And then he pulled out the calendar from the club, 
And he booked me. He booked me right away. Six months later, June 16th, my birthday. I didn't mention that, but it was my birthday. It was also Father's Day, which was a really bad time to do a show in Boston, the seat of the patriarchy. But I took it because I knew that if I can get to Boston, I can get to Philly really easy. And then it's my birthday, and I could go see Hortensia, and she could give me birthday head because... Even if you break up, you still get birthday head, right? <laughs> so the next day I call her, and, uh, and I leave this message. I get her voice, and I leave this message about how this great plan, just six months from now, be able to come back, be my birthday, we'll have so much fun, I take you out, and she never returned that call. She never returned that call. So it's like, okay, okay, maybe she didn't see it. So I sent her a big, long, beautiful, flowery uh, email. She never wrote back. I texted her. She never uh, texted back. And then I tried calling again. She never called back. And I really, she never called back. And she never, she never, and then I realized, she stopped loving me. And then, even sadder, she wasn't going to fuck me anymore. <laughs> and then I realized, and I felt, the world stopped loving me. But it was going to fuck me. Fast forward. <laughs> Six months later, it's June. It's my birthday. I'm in Boston, and I've just survived six months of deep depression, drinking, overeating, getting blurry, bloated, and fuzzy. And I got a show that night, and all day in Boston, I've got my phone. I've got my phone right in my hand, because I don't want to miss Hortensia's call to wish me happy birthday, because surely she knows it's my birthday. We've been together almost seven years. She's gonna call me on my birthday. I mean, I bought her two fucking coats. No call, no call all day. It's an hour before the show, and I get a text. This is the text, word for word. Happy birthday, period. Hope you're doing something fun, period. No exclamation point. No smiley face, no XXX. That was it. That sucked. I couldn't believe it. That's it? That's it? After almost seven years and two coats, that's it? And I just stared at that text until it was time to do the show. I do the show, and uh, it's terrible, but I'm going to get to the blowjob now, so that's good. <laughs> I do the show, and uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know how I did. I didn't, I didn't hear the audience laughing, and I didn't, hear the, I, didn't, I didn't hear myself talking. All I could hear was, hope you're having fun. Hope you're having fun. Fun, 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 fun. <laughs> Show's over. Getting to the blowjob part so soon. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> I, I, I go backstage, and sometimes, I don't know if you know, after a bad show, sometimes some of us in the arts will just go hide backstage and cower and shiver. So that's what I was doing. Uh, and I was evaluating everything in my life, and I see the manager of the club approaching me. And it was weird, you know, because I knew he was going to yell at me. I mean, the first show, he had been so nice, and he was, you know, but straight guys usually don't get my act, and this guy was so nice about it, you know. But now he was coming out, and I knew he was going to yell at me. But no. In one glass, he had a glass. In one hand, he had a glass of makers. The other hand, wad of cash. And... I want to tell you about this manager guy. 
He was so nice, and I want to just call him the manager guy. He had a name, needs privacy. Let's call him Apollo. <laughs> because he has gone where no man has gone. <laughs> and he said to me, I said, yeah, I know, Apollo is a tough crowd. Oh, thank you, Apollo. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back to Boston for a long time. Okay, okay, I'll go have a drink with you. And he invited me to his favorite bar. It was just around the corner. And I went with him, and he, he carried my bags. He's just like, nobody carries my He carried my bags. And we went to this bar. Uh, it had a rooftop deck, and everybody knew him. They were all like, Apollo, Apollo. And he's like. <laughs> and I sat at the bar with him and had many more makers. He just kept buying me whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted. And then he was, I was smoking. I don't smoke except on my birthday when I get dumped. I'm smoking and he, he's lighting my cigarettes and he's like talking. And, I'm, and, in, and, in, and in the light of his lighter, in the glow of his lighter, I looked at Apollo. I'd never really seen him except for um, the glass he held and the money. Uh, and I looked at his face and it was like, wow, his eyes are soft and dark and deep set, and uh, he's about my height, and he's kind of out of shape. He looks exactly like me. <laughs> and he's wooing me. Apollo is, Apollo listened to like hours of me talking about pussy, and he's courting me. And I listen to him, invite me. He wanted me to come back to Boston. He said I didn't have to do a show. He would just take care of me. He would just take me to meet his friends. He wanted to show me real Boston. And then I excused myself, and I went to the ladies' room because I, I was tired of listening to him. And I, uh, I mean, I was really nice, but you know, it's no, shut up. And, uh, and then I, I went to the bathroom, and of course, I, I checked my phone to see if there was any new developments. It was just that one text. Uh, I'll be having fun. I'll be doing something fun. And then I kind of adjusted my bangs to as feminine as they could look. And I went back out to Apollo at the bar, and I said, hey, let's get out of here. Let's do something fun. So we went in his car, very nice car. And uh, I knew what I was going to do. I knew, I just, I, you know, I kind of knew it. I mean, I said I was going to, you know, I said, let's make out. But I knew what that meant. And so, uh, so I was, you know, driving, looking for a place. And I said, can we, Apollo, let's, let's go to a park. Let's, stop it. let's, go, let's, let's go to the park. Let's, let's hang out by the park. And, uh, and I don't know, I guess it's because that's how I did it with Mr. Six Flags. So I wanted to go to a park. But he didn't feel comfortable there, so we drove to an abandoned construction site. Maybe because I'm a lesbian, he thought I'd be more comfortable. And, uh, and then we started making out. We started making out, and I didn't, uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like making out with Apollo. I mean, it was just, you know, it was just, it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was just darting tongue. And, uh, and, and it was just, he was just too stubbly. He was too, he was too hairy. He was too hairy, and it was rough, and I have very sensitive skin. I think that's why I'm a lesbian. And so... Really, it's, I mean, I think it's like no man could ever be soft enough for me, you know? And it's like, I, you know, like, when did you shave? Could you shave right now? 
Um, so then I thought, okay, I, I don't like making out, so I just, let's just go to the next thing. I said, you wanna, I'll, and everybody knows what that means. So he unzipped his pants, and he pulled out his dick, and I attempted a blowjob. Turns out, not good at it. I'm not good at it. Uh, and it's really weird, because I'm so good at cunnilingus. I am the best. I am, wow, exactly, wow, that's what they say. <laughs> but all these skills don't transfer to a blowjob. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of, I'm sucking him and I'm trying to, you know, just like, oh, okay. It's like, why isn't he coming? Like, immediately. Why doesn't he come immediately? <laughs> and because men are really difficult. Women are way easier. Women are way easier. A man is like, it's not just that. Doesn't taste like ice cream. Not just that. <laughs> right? It's like, this is a lot. This is a lot. I'm putting it in my mouth. Why don't you come? And no, but you have to do all these other things. You have to press this, tap that, tug that. Too complicated. It's like, I don't know, I'm fiddling around, I'm sucking this. And uh, it's going on, it's like forever. It's like, I'm hungry, I wanna go back to my Airbnb because I have my snacks all lined up. And so, it's like, I wish this guy would come. And, uh, and then finally he moans. And that's so nice, right? Isn't that the best when somebody moans? You're working on them and they moan. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, somebody likes me. And so it's like, oh, this is gonna happen. 20 minutes later, still saying, you know what? I don't understand why I was dreaming about blowjobs so much. They're kind of boring, you know? And I don't understand, like I heard all this great thing about blowjobs, and so I thought, oh, blowjobs are like amazing. But I realized I never heard it from a straight woman. I only heard it from gay men. So I'm blowing them, I'm blowing them. And, uh, and then I'm wondering, why doesn't he come? It's like, why is everybody so against premature ejaculation? <laughs> Why couldn't he be one of those guys? I mean, I'm Marco Gomez. You should all be ejaculating right now. It's like, why do people hold back? It's like, come, as soon as you think of it, come, come right now. That's what coats are for. All right, so t more time passes. And, and then he just, he just starts jerking off. He starts jerking off because, you know, he's got to go to work in the morning. So he's jerking off, and it's like, oh, good, this is great. I get to my snacks. We'll be done soon. And then he says to me, show me your pussy. Like with this expression that I hadn't seen before. It's like, show me your pussy. And I'm like, your tone. It's like, you can't, you were lighting my cigarettes and treating me like a queen, and now you're, show me your pussy. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm still a feminist. You know, where's the please? Where's the miss? Miss please, if you don't mind. Do you have a moment to show me your pussy? But it's like, I wanted it to be over, so, you know, I don't really do this. I don't understand why that is such a big deal. But it's like, yeah, I zip my pants, and I pull down my jockeys, and it's like, here we go. And it worked. It worked. He was finally almost coming, and then he says to me, where do you want it? You know, I'm new at this. So it's like, 
what do I want what? Because, you know, you, you should arrive knowing. So I'm like, oh, okay, what's that? Oh, yeah. Because then I went back to all the HBO After Dark specials I watched. And so I realized, oh, he wants to shoot it. Um, and, uh, you know, I was going to, like, I was going to, like, have it in my mouth. I mean, you know, because I'm a lady. Uh, but so, I, you know, my honest answer would have been outside the car if you could just go... <laughs> You take your time. I'm going to listen to NPR. <laughs> but I took a wild guess. I says, um, on my tits? That was the right answer. Always. On the tits. <laughs> and I just kind of opened my blouse. I, you know, I had my sex bra on. And, um... Not my jogging bra, because yeah, nobody can come with that. But my sex bra, and uh, he shot he shot on my tits, and it it wasn't what I thought it would be, you know. I thought it was gonna be like a you know gusher, but it's more like a trickle. It was nothing I could sell to the sperm bank, but uh, but it was you know it was done. I mean that you know that was done. It was officially closed, and uh, but then he said, I want to be inside you. And I thought, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Apollo, but uh, I can't have guests at my Airbnb, which might have been a lie. But again, I had my snacks all lined up, and I wasn't going to share them. <laughs> so, you know, he drove me to my Airbnb, and he's, you know, he just said he wanted to see me again. He wanted me to come back to Boston. He was going to do all this stuff for me, and he really liked me. And I really knew that that was genuine. And I felt, you know, I felt really bad because I kind of wanted, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm never going to go back to Boston. But I said, yes, yes, I'm going to go back to Boston. We're going to hang out. I'm going to meet your friends. I'm going to wear different clothes. And Yes. And then I, you know, I never went back. And then, he, you know, he would write to me these beautiful, long, flowery emails. And I would send him short emails like, you're so cool. Uh, and then eventually I just, I stopped writing him back. Because, I mean, why, you know, why keep him hanging on? And, you know, I got what I wanted, the blowjob experience. You know, and now I wanted to move on. You know, and I wanted to go back to women. And I wanted to be able to go buy produce without tripping. <laughs> but what I want you to know is this was the nicest man I've met who hit on me. And it was a really important time to get that kind of attention. And after we did this, all the blow job dreams that I've had for about 20 years stopped. I never had another. But what he really gave me was a lesson. And the lesson is, and I'll leave you with, is that if you find yourself at a certain impasse in life where you think no one else that you would want is going to come for you, that all the agenda you had for romance and love is not going to be fulfilled, but then you meet somebody, oh, so nice, wants to carry your bag, and is excited to see you, and is excited for every little shitty email you send them. That'll work. That'll work. Check it out. It may not be the gender you thought you wanted, but it'll work. And to, to those of you straight women in the audience, if you ever want to try pussy, 
my website is open 24-7. And finally, I just want to say that uh, it's so important to be in this room, of all rooms, because we are in the most painful times in history. And it's not just about loving each other. We should also fuck each other. Thank you very much. Good night. My baby left me Left me sad and blue I didn't know what to do Without my baby, 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 baby And then I met his best friend And it took me to his house And I said, she told me so. I wow. That song was Just Put It In Your Mouth by Akin Yaley. What's coming up for Body? Well, we're having our next live show, which will be live streamed on Friday, March 25th. The theme for the night is Fingers Crossed, and half my lineup is already filled. If you think you'd like to pitch me a story, all you got to do is make a voice memo telling me the story, beginning, middle, and end, and send that recording to bodystorytelling at gmail.com. Make sure you let me know it's a story pitch. Make sure you attach the recording and let me know a little bit about you. This is a live show, so you need to be in the San Francisco Bay Area for this one. And we also have the next iteration of my storytelling workshop coming up. It's called How to Be Fascinating, Dixie's Secret System for Brilliant Storytelling. And I taught two sold out classes recently. The students said they learned so much and this felt doable because I really like to make it practical and simple. That's how I learned storytelling. In fact, I developed a method to make myself have less fear of public speaking and to get across in a story exactly what it meant to me so that the audience could relate to it too. Because I had a lot of requests from European fans, I am doing this one at a different time. It's gonna be on a Sunday, 
and it starts on Sunday, March 27th at 11 a.m. Pacific. So if you're one of those fans who wanted to join us, but a weeknight evening didn't work for you, this is your chance. There are very limited spots available, so join as soon as possible. There's a link in the show notes, and I would really love to have you in my workshop. Well, it looks like live shows are back, which means our live streams are too. Want to watch Body's live stream for free? If you sign up for Body's Patreon at the $10 a month level or higher before midnight on March 21st, you can get a free live stream ticket for our next live show, which happens on Friday, March 25th. Patreon's been saving my bacon throughout this pandemic, and my income has taken a serious hit. I want to say thank you to the people who've gotten me to the 15-year mark, and I want you to join our community. So I'm giving you a free live stream ticket for this upcoming live show if you join now. Wonder where our live stream replays live? Yep, on Patreon. So not just this live stream, but past live streams too. But remember, this offer is only available through March 21st. So go to patreon.com slash body. Patreon's where our online community lives. Way less restrictions on sex, kink, and gender conversations. Way more true stories, including yours, I hope. Go to patreon.com body and become a member to get your free live stream ticket now. Well, that's our time for this week. But before I go, can I ask you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen? Because your word of mouth, that's how people find us and give us a chance. And I want to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Joe Moore, Donald Mooney, and podcast producer Roman Den Haldeker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator. This has been episode 216 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Oh,